0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: All right. Episode 142 Talking Buffalo Podcast. Thank you to everyone out there as always for continuing to listen. Download, support the show. Really means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that. Right now, before I get going with today's show, I want to shout out a couple of brands, a couple of people who have really helped me continue to uh, grow this podcast. They helped me promote it on social media and it's went a long way towards getting more subscribers. So thank you very much, guys like Bruce Nolan, guys like Greg Thompson from Cover One. Bruce Nolan, of course, from Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, A lot of people from Buffalo Fanatics. Macy's Place Pizzeria. Uh, Sunny Reds, who, by the way, still have that contest going on right now. Go on my Twitter, at Pam Moran Tweet. Got a tweet pin right at the very top. And all you got to do is follow the instructions. Simple as could be. You can win a large pizza and 20 wings from our buddies over at Sunny Reds. Some great eats there. A very stressful day on Thursday. I mean, you're hearing this Friday. All's well, that ends well for Buffalo Bills fans, but it was a very stressful, anxiety, tension-filled day for Bills fans. Did not know literally up until the 4 p.m. deadline if Trey White was going to opt out or not. It certainly seemed, based on comments, over the last 24, 36 hours or so, that he was leaning towards it. Ultimately, he doesn't. So that's good, but some bad blood, it seems, there because Trey White got mad. Some Bills fans, and in fairness to Bills fans, it was a small percentage, had some negative shit to say about him, potentially opting out, calling him selfish, just ridiculous, stupid shit like that, and Trey fired back on Twitter. uh it just, it's unfortunate, because obviously those hands full of fans that say those stupid things don't represent the true Bills fan. But anyway, he was angry. Can't blame him for that. But again, like I said, all's well that ends well. And that kind of gave me inspiration for what I wanted to do with today's episode, which is a countdown of the 10 players on the Buffalo Bills that I consider most irreplaceable. Uh, To help me, I'm going to be bringing on my buddy Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. Recurring guest, I have him on the show at least once or twice a month and joe and i if you listen to this podcast regularly you know that we kind of have a a tendency to disagree and to do it quite loudly and i'll tell you what here's a spoiler alert never ever of all the times i've had him on the show has that been more evident than today uh we went through our list i have a list he had a list and it was all about football you know just say why we thought certain guys belong on the list and where we had them ranked. And then we got to Trey White. Football-wise, not much to disagree about. We both know how valuable he is, or I should say invaluable he is, irreplaceable on this team. But when I referenced the fact that he was almost, that he almost did opt out, his reaction, fan reaction, uh, minority fan reaction, I should say. And then somebody from the national media chimed in to shit on Bills fans. And this is where me and Joe really went at it. I'll tell you, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll know what I'm talking about here. The difference between a work and a shoot. A work is basically something that's kind of scripted. You know where it's going, where a shoot is something that's very real and unscripted. Let me say this about the argument that Joe and I get to when we talk about Trey White. We worked ourselves into a shoot. It got legitimately heated Probably, I mean, I've done 242 episodes of the show. And I don't think I ever got as mad at somebody as I did. When me and Joe were going at it to the point where I at least considered hitting stop on the recording and saying, you know what, F this, not worth it. I'm glad I didn't though, because look, one of my favorite things about Joe is that he has no problems challenging what I'm saying. He's got very strong beliefs, very strong convictions, and I respect that. Kind of like the fact that we disagree as much as we do and that it leads to arguments because it's genuine. It's real. Like I said, it's not a work. It's a shoot. When he disagrees with something, he lets me know and vice versa. But in this episode, this taping, it got loud. Let's put it this way. I'm in a home studio and people who never typically hear me record heard me recording. It was, it was, it's just like that. So anyway, Enough about that. Enough talkie-talkie here at the top. Again, top 10 Buffalo Bills, most irreplaceable players. I got my boy, Joe. Let's go. All right, I'm here with my buddy, Joe, recurring guest. Minutes before we started taping, you do a walk pretty much every afternoon. And I seen you put out a tweet with a tree that just like crushed the car. What the hell is that all about? Dude, didn't you see
0: that we had like a hurricane, like kind of come up the coast or whatever the case, whatever that hurricane was. And it, uh, it kind of, we, we had the sprinkling effects of it. So that was what happened It happened on Tuesday morning, actually. Yeah. It was between like, like, I would say like 10 AM to 4 PM. And, you know, two days later down the street from me, that, that entire block had like three giant trees, like sitting in the middle of the of the road. And luckily for me, where I live, I don't have many trees around my building. I have like one that's pretty small. But the one I took of that was a that was a gigantic tree. <laughs> you know, I'm
1: looking at it right now. And I'm like, holy shit, man. No, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew about that storm. I had no idea that it reached you all the way in New York City, though. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it was, wow, uh,
0: that, yeah, it was a bad. Yeah, it was a big deal. So uh, but yeah, everyone, <laughs> I think one person ended up dying that they, they got their their car actually fell on top the not their car, but their a tree fell on top of their parked car while they were in the car and the person oh, wow. died. Yeah, dude. Wow. So it was it was definitely a storm not to fuck with. Right. You know, in terms of that, uh, I don't <laughs> know how I don't know how pe- I don't I don't know how you do it, man, with with hurricanes down by you, man, because that shit, that shit is uh, nerve wracking as all hell.
1: It is. I, I live on the other I live on the Tampa side, so it's not quite I mean, I did live through Irma and I think it was twenty seventeen, but outside of that, I mean I don't think I've ever seen a big ass tree fall down like that though. Sure. But yeah. So check it out, everybody. I'm gonna lay this out. So we're taping this Thursday afternoon. I wanted to do it much earlier in the day, but we couldn't because literally up until the four PM deadline, we had no idea if Trey White was gonna end up Opting out or not. So he kind of held this show hostage, or at least I should say the taping. Obviously, everybody knows that he did not opt out. He's going to play. We'll talk about him more specifically in a couple minutes. And that's because today's show pretty much is all about Joe and I have come up with a list of our top 10 most irreplaceable players on the Buffalo Bills. And obviously, that idea kind of was inspired by the possibility that Trey was not going to play. So Nine of the 10 guys that me and you have on our list, we agree with, but they're going to be ranked differently. And we'll kind of just go through it, uh, the process as we go. So that's pretty simple to understand. I'm just going to get right into it right now. I'm going to start with number 10. I got Micah Hyde at number 10. And I'll say this too. Mm -hmm. He was like written in pencil, not pen. Because had Trey White opted out, I would have included Josh Norman would have went from a week or so ago, dude, I had, I don't remember who it was on my podcast, but we were talking about like potential cuts. And I actually had Josh Norman as a, as a potential surprise cut. He would have went from that to being one of the 10 most irreplaceable players on this team without Trey White, in my opinion, anyway, but didn't happen. So I got Micah Hyde. And the reason being, it's just a rock in the secondary, man. He's the glue of that secondary. He's a, a very steady player, Jordan Poyer gets more turnovers makes more big plays but i think Micah hyde is you know the more steady guy back there uh dean marlowe's the backup so there's not a ton of depth and he would be one of those guys i mean sure they could be okay without him but he's without question you got to include him on a list of uh your top 10 most irreplaceable what about you what do you think about uh Micah hyde at 10
0: i had him at six so i i oh, wow. agree with everything yeah i had him up up there a little bit i you know, I, I, I look at this list and I kind of try to figure out, like, if someone gets eliminated, like, how are they on the list in terms of who's going to pick up the slack? Because, again, this isn't exactly about, like, a power rankings. This is about right. who is, like, they can't lose because of depth. And, right. you know, there is depth in the secondary, for you know, in terms of that. But I think Hyde is, like, you know, he's a guy who, you know, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player, you know, and I, I don't think you can lose a guy like that you know, in terms of how valuable he is. Like, that's the kind of the interesting part about the, the Bills, especially in their secondary. Their secondary just has not uh, – the, the the big three, which I think you can, you'll can you agree with, it's like it's Trey White, Jordan Poyer, uh, and Hyde. Those
1: mm-hmm. guys yeah.
0: hardly ever get hurt, it feels like. You right. know what I mean? So we can't – you can't really – it's very hard for us to sit there and go, well, you know – they were out. He, this guy was out a month and, you know, we didn't have that. And then the second, we could judge if the secondary really missed him or not, you know, but those guys are just always there. And I like Hyde. I've always, I've, I've, you know, he's, he's a very talented player. He's always, he's always near the top of the, uh, of the club in terms of intercep- interceptions. And I think he's pretty valuable. So I put it, I put him there. Uh, you know, probably a little bit higher. I, I don't even, you know, in terms of where he's at. But you know, I, I respect ten being where you where you have it at. But I think he's, uh, you know, he's he was the, the what the first big signing, uh, you know, by Brand, you know, not by Brandon B, but by Sean McDermott during that whole weird, yeah, you know, yeah, era, or whatever.
1: I, I wouldn't hate, you know, if we go by your list and being at six, I certainly don't hate it, and I'm glad you brought up something too. I should have said it's at the top, and I failed to. This is not a list of the top 10 guys that we think are the best players on the team, one through 10. Irreplaceable, like you said. That means that you know you can't lose that guy because he's just that valuable to the team. There might, in some cases, it's because the death behind that guy sucks. Or in some cases, it is talent, You know, and it's just such a big drop-off between the first guy and the sure. second guy. But yeah, and that's a good point about the secondary too. The, the continuity back there has been one of the keys. Hoyer and Hyde played all 16 games each last year. Trey White only missed the last game because it didn't mean anything. So he didn't miss any games because of injury either. So yeah, that's a big point. Uh, I'm going to move on to number nine. Now I have John Brown here and I'm going to preface this by saying this very easily could have been Cole Beasley as well. Either or uh, Mm -hmm. the numbers, obviously good production last year at 72 catches at 115 targets, which is a lot, over a thousand yards, six touchdowns. The reason why I have him in the top 10, because sure, he's not even the best receiver on this football team anymore, but I think what benefited Josh Allen the most this offseason was getting Stephon Diggs. Obviously he's on the list and we're gonna talk about him in a few. But having all three of those receivers, that's what makes this unit one of the better wide receiving units in the NFL. After one through three, there's there's not really any real proven depth after one through three. So it's very critical. For this offense to have all three guys healthy. So like I said, I listed John Brown just because I thought he had a better year than Cole Beasley, but you could have had either. But the biggest reason why I would have him in my top 10 is again, because you need all three of those guys. That's what makes this offense from a, a passing game perspective dangerous. So what do you think about John? Now I, I, he wasn't on your list, was he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. He wasn't on my list. And it's because I think the bills are so are pretty deep at wide receiver that even if you lose John Brown, you have Cole Beasley, Beasley and Stephon Diggs to like pick up the slack, right? And, and you could say that for all of them, even even Stephon Diggs, who is on my list at some point. Uh, you know, you can say that about him. I mean, the wide receiver position, I think, is something is something that's that's pretty deep for the Bills, you know. And it's probably the one thing like on a lot of you know rosters in the NFL that if you have at least two two good wide receivers, which they do in this case. It means like one of them can be expendable because you could just put someone else in there for the most part. Now, if this was last year and there was no Stefan Diggs, I would definitely have J- John Brown on this list. Like he would be right. pretty damn high. I mean, he had over a thousand yards. He was Josh Allen's, I think, his primary wide receiver. He was a great signing. So that's kind of where I have, where that's why he wasn't on my list as of right now. Because again, it goes for importance. I'm not you know, I'm not not tripping out. If John Brown goes out, that sucks, but I'm not tripping out because I feel like Diggs and Beasley can pick up the slack.
1: That's a fair point. I mean, you're not wrong. My perspective is having all three of those guys is very important because it gives a dynamic to the offense that it didn't have. Now, if you replace Diggs with Brown, to some extent, for sure, it's an upgrade, but it's not the upgrade it was designed to be because only two to three are out there. But Again, I mean, we're arguing oranges or to apples there. I, yeah, I think and you and you are, also
0: have other guys. Yeah, and you do have other guys who can pick up. Like you know, you can have Dawson Knox or the running backs in the backfield. Like, there's other guys that can that can catch the football. And again, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much this this offense is going to go into like you know the the St. Louis Rams mold of like the late '90s, where they have like three wide receiver sets and everyone's going to have like you know a hundred yeah. targets each. Like, who knows at this point? You know, for the mo- for, for the most part, I feel. Yeah,
1: think- that, that's fair, too. And not to cut you, know, you off there, but sure. it's something that I didn't consider as well. There's only one football. In fact, I've talked about this a couple of times between Stefan Diggs, Beasley and Brown. Mm-hmm. All three of those guys usually get well over 100 targets apiece. So sure. Yeah, spreading right. around might be an issue. Now, the next guy here is I, I'm pretty sure now I don't know your list, your entire list. I know what guys you got, but I don't know where you have them. This is a guy, and it's not really going to be an argument. I think you're probably going to win this. You have him ranked higher than me. So at number eight, I got Mitch Morse. Of course, the center. The reason why I have him at eight, he did sign a big contract last year. I think he got forty-four and a half million over four years. Uh, he was the highest paid center in the league when he signed that contract. Played all 16 games last year, but in the preseason, he missed with a concussion. Uh, he had an ankle injury against Tennessee. And the backup center, Feliciano, is out at least, I don't know, the first, maybe half of the year. If not the whole year, who knows? They cut Spencer Long. Evan Braum right now is the uh, likely backup. So he's important. He's the anchor of the line. He's the most talented guy, the most accomplished guy on this line. Highest paid. So I got to put him in my top 10 now. You have him higher, don't you?
0: Yeah, I have him really high. I don't know if you want me to reveal where I have him right now. Unless yeah, you want. I want you to. Okay. Okay. So I have Mitch Morris at number two on this list. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, I have him super high. I don't know how you don't have him as high as I have him. I mean, do I, you really want to see this offensive line with some guy named Adam Bomb or whoever the hell the backup center <laughs> is? I don't even know who he is. Well, <laughs> I
1: did preface. I did preface it by saying this was probably if if this was a debate that this is probably a point that you're going to win. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're on crack, buddy. But uh, you know, I'm I'm just playing. But yeah, I would definitely. I, I had I have him at number 2. I think he's very important to the offensive line. I think they're really thin at center, be, you know, since uh, since they got injury concerns right now going on there. And Mitch Morris is a hell of a, you know, they paid 10 million dollars for this guy. <laughs> you know, he's right. he's like the, he's like one of the highest paid bills. I mean, he might be. I don't know off the top of my head, but he's he's making some cheddar which is which is because he deserves it. And he's a good player. I have Stefan Diggs as number 8. And again, that goes to my my whole thing that I the whole same thing I just told you about John Brown, where mm-hmm. if one guy goes down, the other guy I feel can pick it up, you know, in terms of it between him and between him and Brown. And and obviously, I ha- I think Diggs is a better wide receiver than Brown. That's why he makes this list over Brown does. But uh, I have him at eight, and I have Mitch Morris way up, very high. I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of surprised you don't have him higher than I do.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Let's pivot back to Mitch Morris. And again, I probably would be willing to concede this point in terms of being irreplaceable that you might be right. But regardless, let's pivot real quick. I want to spend a minute on Morris because you do have him so high. What does it tell you about the Bills that they got rid of Spencer Long? Now, Feliciano's hurt. Again, who knows how much time he's going to miss. It might be a quarter, a half, maybe the entire season for all we know. Spencer Long was a an accomplished reserve lineman. They got rid of him because they signed Brian Winters, who's a guard, probably will start at right guard this year in place of Luciano. Um, and Evan Braum is the backup center now who, you know, hasn't really done anything. So what is that? T- I don't know, man. It, it, it's a little surprising to me that they got rid of Spencer Long. That's what I'm getting at here.
0: I'm not going to pretend I was watching a bunch of Jets film last year to know what the hell, you know, what Winters brings to the table. It seems right. like pound for pound player for player winters is better than Spencer long is. And I think that's oh, yeah. what they're they're going for right now. Uh, and maybe they're really look Mitch, Mitch Morris. It is, it is interesting because Mitch Morris does have concussion issues. Like he has in the past. I mean, I know he played, right. I think he played every game last year. I mean, I remember during camp he we had that whole, that Mitch Morris concussion watch that happened, right. but you know, he had three concussions over like, you know, whatever it was like over a couple of seasons worth of games. So I understand that you're you worried, but at the same time, maybe they're just like, "Eff it, let's let's do it. Let's get the better offensive lineman. And if Mitch Morris goes down, maybe maybe they can pick up someone else. And they'll maybe maybe Spencer Long will still be on the scrap heap. You know, you never know. You know, and it's still early, it's still early, and there's not yeah. going to be any games. You know, in terms of that. But um, yeah, I don't know. That is kind of an interesting thing. Like I would have I would have. Uh, I think I did tweet this. I would have waited to cut him and wait till uh Feliciano came back. Is it Feliciano or, or what the hell, how do you pronounce it? John Feliciano. The guy, John Feliciano. Okay, I don't know. I was like I was thinking like Feliciano, like Felish.
1: Yeah, but. it's not so much that it's not dude, it's not even that I'm 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 worried about the fact that they cut Spencer Long. I'm more intrigued because that means Evan Braum is going to be the backup center
0: because sure. again Spencer
1: Long's plate center. And I can understand more because Brian Winters essentially is the same cap hit as Spencer Long. But again, this is not a team that's like cap strapped. So it feels to me like it's a football move. It's just more interesting to me than anything that Evan Braum is going to be the backup center, at least as of now. I mean, who knows? Maybe they pick up somebody before the season. But right. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: like I said, I I probably would have if I were them, I would have waited until Feliciano got got back. Then I would have made the move. Unlong, because you're right. I don't know anything about Adam Baum over here, you know, and yeah. I, and I'm gonna keep calling him Adam Bomb. Chronic, uh, Ryan Clark. Remember, remember how many, remember how many gimmicks Adam Bomb had. Could you name yeah, all of them? I do. Could yeah, you name I, all of
1: them? I don't think I can name two of them. What do you uh, mean you I can't name
0: Adam two? Bob. Don't you don't don't you remember him in Chronic? Uh no. You don't remember him and Chronic? It was him and and, and Crush. They were in WCW. They were Chronic. It was a terrible tag. It was like a big meathead tag team in the late
1: 90s. Really? I don't remember. I really don't. How much were you drinking (laughs) in the 90s, man? Anyway, go. (laughs) A lot.
0: Yeah, (laughs) A lot.
1: And I I wasn't a WCW guy either, but yeah. Oh, you uh, weren't. I I never never knew you
0: weren't a WCW guy. Not
1: not much. I mean, I was always... It's not that I didn't watch it. I like WWF a lot more, though. Sure. Anyway, so I actually have Stefan Diggs 7. Same reasons that I listed for John Brown, but he's mm-hmm. just but he's a better football player. And they gave up a lot to get him and they're paying him more. Uh first rounder, four picks. So I got him on seven again. All the same reasons. Sure. If he's down, your offense is basically back to a, talent wise, at least on paper, what it was a year ago. So he, he's the i um, again, is he irreplaceable to an extent, but I got six guys rated ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I just I don't know. One of the more talented players on this team. I don't. I don't see how when you gave up what you gave up to get him and you're paying them. I don't understand how he, he wouldn't be on a top ten list of irreplaceable players.
0: Yeah, I have at seven. Dion Dawkins. Um, I, I'm I'm having a little bit of remorse on that. I I kind I I had Mika High, which you talked about, had six. I I may want to I if I could do it again, I may swap those two and put a Dawkins at six because again, you know, we're talking about depth here. Uh, I don't know, you know, with Dawkins, it's kind of like he was okay his rookie year. He wasn't very good his second year. He came back well last year. And I still don't know how good of a player he really is. And maybe that's why I have him as low, you know, at seven, you know, in terms of that. And, you know, you know, Ty Nseki, they could maybe move him. If he, he was out, they moved probably Nseki to maybe... That tackle position, or maybe they move forward to that tackle. Who the hell knows at this point uh, what they would do then. Uh, but that's kind of why I have it to where he's at seven. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think sometimes I'm still, like, I think he's okay. I think he's a solid player, but I don't know how solid of a player he is for the most yeah, part.
1: I got him right, tired. We'll get to him in a minute. But sure. we, I mean, we both said our piece about Stephon Diggs. It's pretty obvious there. Mm-hmm. At six, I got Ed Oliver. And I got him there for a few reasons. Obviously a top 10 pick, ninth overall a year ago. Uh, I think he's the most talented player in terms of talent on the defensive line. And I mean, they still have good depth. In fact, depth is probably on the defensive line, is probably one of the biggest strengths of this team. But still, I haven't said that. I mean, Jordan Phillips did have, I think nine and a half sacks last year. He's gone. He went to Arizona. Star of opted out. Harrison Phillips is trying to come back from an ACL. He's got a lot to prove. So I feel like Ed Oliver is a very, not just talented, but a very important part of this team. And that's why I think he's pretty high on the list of uh, irreplaceable guys.
0: I had Ed Oliver at 10, which uh maybe a little bit too low, obviously, <laughs> you know, for you or like since, you're, since you've are since you been, you're doing that. But I have him at 10 and it's it's a little bit like this, the same reasoning for Deion Dawkins. Except I think in this case, you kind of just said it's like the depth is much better along the defensive line, especially at a defensive tackle position. And that's why I'm not as like, oh, my God, they can't lose him because there is there is solid depth there, you know, and that's that's kind of why I have him at 10. And again, with that, Oliver, like, look, he had he kind of had a slow start to last season, but then he picked it up and he's he's fine. Like, he's doing okay. I don't have him as of right now as like the all American American for the Bills right now. You know, in terms of that, I still need to see more. You know, I'm very skeptical of rookies or younger guys. Like you got to give me, I got, I need to see it play out a little bit more. Uh, but that's why I have him at 10 as of now, because again, the depth is there. Uh, I think at, he was inconsistent last year at times, but uh, he'll. I, I can, I can already see by like midway through the season, I'll probably will, he'll, he'll totally skyrocket up that chart.
1: Yeah. I think his, his talent has him that high on the list. I do agree about the depth just by adding a couple of guys. They got Quentin Jefferson, they got Vernon Butler. So even after losing star, there's still a lot of talent there, but he's just a really good player. And he's at the point where somebody with that skill set, if he were to go down get injured, if he would have opted out, that really would have, uh, sucked moving on. We're at the halfway point now. Number five, I have Matt Milano. Uh, he's a, he's a playmaking machine, man. A hundred tackles last year, nine half. Uh, Tackles for a loss. He missed one game. And I remember, it well, he, he had a hamstring injury. Didn't play against Miami. And I remember his presence was felt out there or him not being out there, I should say. You could tell the defense wasn't the same. Shitty depth. Terrell Dawson's his backup right now. He got Pashawn Johnson and, uh, or Joseph, I should say. And Corey Thompson is outside linebacker. So they generally play the weak side. Lionel plays the strong side. But the key to this defense to me is... Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, they're on the field virtually every snap. So either of them go down and and again in this case, I got Milano fifth. That's a big freaking blow to me.
0: Yeah, I have um I have actually have Milano at nine. And the reason why is because Tremaine Edmonds is I have at five. So it's it's kind of like uh, and I I think I just went ahead of myself. My apologies, Pat. (laughs) But whatever. Uh, I have Matt Milano and nine. And it's it's simply put, like, I think with Tremaine Edmonds back there, he kind of bails Matt Milano out. If Matt Milano goes out, I feel Edmonds can kind of pick up the slack at the linebacking core, you know, because, like, you only need at the end of the day. The bills have so many different variations of formations. Like they're they're playing nickel or dime. So how many linebackers do you need on the field at once? You don't need three linebackers, you know, on the field. You can have two, you know, when it comes to that. So maybe in my and I that's why I kind of have Milano a little bit down, you know, because of that. Because someone like Edmonds could pick up the slack, or you know they can they can go more into like that more defensive back heavy, you know, set for the most part.
1: Let's take a break. I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by 26 shirts over at 26 shirts, a different Buffalo themed design is sold every two weeks and then bam, that's it. That's a wrap for that shirt. Here's the best part about what they do for every single shirt sold. They make a donation to a specific worthy campaign or to a charity each and every single time. Since launching in 2013, their designs and shirts have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. That number grows literally daily. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable. They're sporty. They look good on you. I have several myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause need you this week. All right, we're reaching uh, the point now where we've discussed some of these players. It's just a matter of where we got them ranked. I had Deion Dawkins ranked significantly higher than you. I got him all the way up at four. And the reasons being is because I think, frankly, he might be, I know uh, Mitch Morris is the highest paid But Deion Dawkins might be the best player on the offensive line right now. He certainly plays the most important position, the blindside tackle. Uh, He sucked in 2018. I mean, you kind of talked about this. He was pretty good as a rookie. I thought he was freaking terrible in 2018. And I was almost ready to write him off or to have him move inside the guard, boom to the right side or even compete for a, a starting spot at all going into last year. And he had, I thought he had an outstanding season. I think he established himself as one of the, well, he's certainly above average when it comes to starting left tackles in the NFL. So that'd be a big loss. Now, Ty Inseki, who is older, who is uh, couldn't didn't stay healthy last year. He'd be in line to be his backup. That's if Cody Ford plays right tackle and stays there and and stays healthy, then Inseki would take over. To me, it's a, a significant drop off. Ryan Bates, I think is the other uh, offensive tackle right now um, that they got on the roster. So yeah, based on his talent, based on the continuity of the offensive line and how important I think that is. And while the offensive line as a whole, I think has good depth. I don't like it at offensive tackle. So Deion Dawkins, that's why I got him rated all the way up high as number four.
0: Well, interesting. I have a uh...
1: Jerry Hughes, who I don't think is on your list at number four. Well, then let's spend a few minutes talking about him. We already talked about Deion. Why was Jerry Hughes on your list? Not that you're wrong, but I want to hear your takes on why. uh,
0: I think he's their best pass rusher. I think this team at, I don't know of another edge rusher that they have that you have, that you could say you have confidence in. I don't really have confidence in Trent Murphy. I don't know much about the rookie that they drafted in the second round who can play edge, you know, at defensive end. I mean, yeah,
1: AJ Epinesa. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Espinesa, Thank you. Uh, like I, like I, like I remember draft picks names, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a val- very valuable pass rusher. He's like their best pass rusher. And I think you need you need to get to the quarterback. He goes down. You, you got Trent Murphy and the rookie
1: on the edge. Well, you got that's one kinda, other guy, that's... you got, you got Mario Addison too, who they signed. I mean, sure. he's, a, he's a pretty good sack guy, but to, to further your point, Having two legitimate pass rushers is much better than one. And Hughes is, he might not have the same stats as has had the last few years, but Hughes is absolutely the best end on this team. They're, I don't think there's any debating that at all. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, again, these are, these lists are so entirely subjective. It's really hard to... Uh...
0: Well, I think you're disrespecting Jerry Hughes. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how you don't have him. I don't know how you don't have him in the top 10. I really don't. He's going on. He's going. I mean, we there's there's players on the Wall of Fame that should be that should be on there right now. Eric Moltz Ruben Brown, well, but like he's. I think he's a future Wall of Famer. Like right now, seven years he's been here. He's been like there. He's been like a, a constant in terms of like, hey, you can rely on him to get like six or ten sacks, and you know he's always in the. He's always pressuring the quarterbacks, and they've never really had another guy help him. You know, like since when? Like since since like Mario Williams was here and that's tw- what, 2015, really, you know, to right? get after the quarterback and the edge, you know, so I, I think he's a, he's, a I think he, ha- I think he has to be in your top 10. Maybe I have him a little higher, but again it's because I don't really know much about whether they have decent enough edge guys outside of him. I know he's a proven commodity. The other guys, I don't know yet to be honest.
1: With well, that tournament. might hurt. Ver- I mean I'm not. again it's so subjective it's not to say I right, you're wrong it's not subjective well, you're wrong you you're verging no 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 because you're verging on getting in the top 10 best players as opposed to irreplaceable guys well, he just is. like me with you, John Brown you're gonna just roll like with, me with John Brown you you're, it's you're the gonna, same thing you're gonna roll with Trent
0: Murphy and EsEspenza whatever the fuck his name is Mario just,
1: Addison too Mario I mean, Addison, Jeff- okay is Mario, Mario-
0: He's the, the Seattle guy, which ones I get him and the other guy mixed up. Quentin Jefferson's
1: what, what, the Seattle guy. Mario Addison's had like nine sacks at least three straight years. He's actually had more sacks than Jerry Hughes. I think Hughes, I think Hughes is a better player. I thought he was like the
0: one that was a kind of a bust. And then he played really well last year. Am I making no, that?
1: I? That's the, that's the defensive tackle. That's Vernon Butler.
0: That's uh, the tackle. At, Mario
1: Addison's the defensive end from Carolina. Okay. He's had see. better numbers in Hughes, but Hughes is a, definitely a better player. But that's what I'm saying about being subjective. You you could be venturing into top 10 best players on the team list, just like I did with John Brown. I think there's depth on the defensive line. And I think there's three really good receivers. So again, you can flip a coin. No, that's the only ones that we did not agree on though. So nine of the 10 guys on the list, we agreed with. It's just a matter in some cases of where we placed them. Speaking of, I'm up to number three on my list now. And I have Tremaine Edmonds there dude is a, he's a tackling machine, man. I think he's the quarterback of the defense. He's as important to the defense, I think, as Josh Allen is to the offense. He's, in my opinion, at least far and away the most talented guy on the front seven. He showed signs of breaking out. And I think this year going into year three, this is where he's going to really break out, become a star. Uh, and last but not least, look, dude, they got shit for depth at, linebacker as a whole but middle linebacker you look at the depth chart right as of right now and you got Tyler Metekovic who's a special teams ace so if Tremaine Emmons were to tear his ACL or had he opted out or any of that shit this defense which many people consider I heard Colin Coward in fact I played a clip on the show last week where he ripped Josh Allen a new ass said he wasn't even one of the top 200 players in the NFL. But anyway- Why would you play that was, asshole
0: on here? Don't, I, well, I, don't
1: want, I don't want Colin Coward on this podcast ever again. No well, more. Well, my point was he, no he more. said, the, he said the Bills had the best defense in the entire NFL. Jermaine Edmonds gets hurt if he's not on this defense. They're not the best defense in the NFL. They're not, one of, they're not even sniffing be one of the better defenses in the NFL without Jermaine Edmonds, in my opinion anyway, linebacker. So that's why I got him all the way up in number three.
0: I have,
1: this is a mistake. I should not have had him here. I have Josh Allen as number three. I actually have Well, Mitch save, M- save it. I don't want to hear about your Josh Allen talk. We'll save about that. Let me know where he, all right. So you got Josh Allen at three. We're not going to talk about him yet. But where do you have Tremaine Edmonds?
0: Uh, I have him at five. So okay, well, I, not yeah. real, no real and, and And the reason why I have him at five, and I kind of explained this before, is like, Look, the Bills play – I think Milano and, and, like, Edmonds is obviously a better player, I think. Uh, Milano's obviously really good, like you articulated before. I think if one of those guys goes down, I think the other guy will pick up the slack because mm. I, just feel, I just feel like the Bills will – you know, how, you know, they're not going to have so many linebackers on the field. They're going to have more probably defensive – they're probably going to have more defensive ends, defensive linemen, more people in the secondary back than have, like, three linebackers on their field. If that's kind of how I feel that they'll do it, so they they won't. That's why the loss. It's still a big loss, but I'm just saying in terms of where I see there. Like you're right, it is it is very thin. Once you get past Milano, once you get past uh, Edmonds, but I think because those two are are like one A, one B, one of them is going to pick up the slack. Now, if they both went out, then it would be all hell local. Like, all hell breaks loose. You know what I mean? I you know so yeah. I don't even know who who is the third linebacker on that field. I don't even remember it because it used to be Zoe. Well, they
1: signed they signed AJ Klein as a free agent. Um, he's the Saints guy, right? I, yeah. have
0: to like, I like totally forgot what the Bills did this off season. I only remember Diggs and then like a couple other guys. I, I like forgot the rest. I gotta like do some more research. But anyways, uh, so he's he's so that linebacker is the 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 other the the starter then, correct? Is that yes. what they're?
1: I yeah, well, yes. But the two guys who play every snap, I mean, the defense switches around a lot. But Milano and Edmonds are out there every snap. Sure. I just think there's a little more depth on the outside with, um, who are the guys I'm thinking of off the top of my the head? They're kind of Corey Thompson and LaShawn Joseph. If Milano were to go down, there's at least a little more depth on the outside. Not a lot, but a little. Whereas I don't think they got anything in the middle. Sure. And I don't know anyone else who can play middle lineup. Plus, I just think Tremaine Edmonds is an extreme talent. Right. All right, so now we're we're in the final two here. Uh, I've reached Trey White time. Now, I know he's your number one, mm-hmm. so we'll put that out there right now. I got him at two, got him at number one. Either way you look at it, dude is irreplaceable. I mean, that's something, one or two are just numbers. At this point, these guys are flat out irreplaceable. So I got Trey White at two. He's the best corner on the team. He's one of the top five or six corners in the entire league. All pro guy. They already lost EJ Gaines. He opted out. Uh, Levi Wallace, Josh Norman are your next two corners. One guy regressed last year. I'm talking about Levi Wallace. One guy, Josh Norman's a former Pro Bowler, but he sucked for three straight years in Washington. Uh, so let's just talk football first, and then I got I got a couple of comments about the shit that's went on with Trey White recently. About call me really close, opting out. But before that, from a football only perspective, this guy's look—he's fucking irreplaceable, man. He can't go down. He's got to play it. I understand why so many Bills fans were having panic attacks all day these last 24 hours, including myself, by the way, um, seeing if he's going to opt out or not. And that's because he's just that important to this football team.
0: Yeah, he's he's super important. I mean, he might be you can make the case he's the he's the best player the Bills have had in the last decade, maybe even more. You know, he's a guy who makes your all pro team. The Bills don't have that ever. And right you know, after him, you know, it's, it's, you just said it, it's super dicey at cornerback, you know, and he's a, he's a very successful player. We all know that. And I, I, you know, I had him pretty high up in my list. I had him at one <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I think he's, I mean, look, when all that shit was coming around about him possibly opting out, I was I was trying to think of trades. Like I was like, "Hey, trade Cole Beasley for like a number 2 cornerback or something like that." You know, because they don't really have anyone behind him that's you know, you know, Josh Norman is here for I kind of think he's here for a cup of coffee. You know, for the most part, like it's, it's it's he's he's on a play it deal where, you know, maybe he'll like be really good and he can go somewhere else after this year. And then Levi Wallace, we don't really know what the hell his deal is. You know, he regressed last year. They don't have like right. a That future number two guy. So I was. That's why I was kind of panicking. Like, hey, go get that that number two guy or something like that. Because they're, you know, it's a little bit, you know, you can't, you know, the channel buddy Nicks, You know, you can't have as you 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 have to have a lot of cornerbacks or whatever the hell he used to say.
1: Yeah, it's such a luxury, dude, to be able to have a cornerback where when you're playing a team, if that receiver, if that team's got, you know, Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or Keenan Allen, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is, that you got a corner that you could put on him one-on-one for the majority of the game, and you're going to feel good about it. That is something you just don't get often, a true legitimate number one corner in the NFL. They don't grow on trees. They don't come around often. So, yeah, man, I mean, there's nothing to debate here, dude. He's mm. flat out irreplaceable. Now, I do want to spend a minute talking about this, As everybody knows he came very close to opting out, and it kind of got ugly. Um Some fans, and this is where I'm a little confused, not confused, disappointed. Some fans were really rude about it. You know, it's one of those football before what he, I don't care about you as a person. I care about you as a football player for my team. Trey White got pissed off. And this is kind of what led a lot of people to think ultimately was going to opt out. I'm going to read his tweet from uh, Thursday morning. He said, crazy that me choosing my family's well-being over a game comes with so-called fans attacking and questioning me and saying I'm selfish. No, you guys are selfish for thinking that football is bigger than life. Oh, by the way, my girl's grandfather passed from COVID. You understand now. That's what he tweeted. Now, I'll say this too, and I'm pretty sure you're going to agree. It's a very small percentage of fans who felt that way. I feel like overwhelmingly people would have been supportive of him. Do you agree with that or do you think I'm wrong? Because I think I understand his frustration. Look, you can put out a tweet and you got a hundred mentions, a thousand mentions, and you read two or three and they're negative and that might set you off. Clearly that set him off. I don't feel like it's representative of a Bills fan. So I'm a, i am I love Trey White. One of my favorite players, great human being too, but I didn't like that tweet because I felt like it put Bills fans in a box and I don't like that. You
0: know, I agree with you. I would say probably nine out of 10 Bills fans are like, hey, we'll support you, buddy. You know, Bills Mafia on two or three or whatever the hell that is. I think the problem is like, we've talked about this in nauseum before. You know, I have a, we, I have like a love, uh, a hate, really hate relationship with Bills Twitter. And when you see people like this, and there, there were people who were adding him, you know, and I, or like, I saw Sal Capaccio retweet a, pe- a few people on Wednesday, you know, who were like, oh, why is he up to know? And, then, you know, Sal would counter and say this is why or whatever. You know, people that were somewhat pissed. I think what happens is when you have so many moments where a fan base can get very, very sensitive and over the top, and I'm talking about like like Josh Allen, like you know, defending Josh Allen, defending the rights of of eating blue cheese, defending the white of chi- the the rights of chicken wings, or being pissed off about national media not giving you the respect. When you do that all the freaking time, it bleeds into it. it just kind of bleeds into everything where you're like, it's very easy to go into the well. Hey, of course, like a Bills fan is going to be pissed off, you know, because what aren't they pissed off about? You know what I mean? It's either they're 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 pissed off about a lot of things a lot of times, and usually I'm pissed off about what they're pissed off about. Like who cares? You know, for the most part. But yes, there I I think there are mostly people who were having his back as of now. But there were some that did go th- flying into the the hand. I was like, Again, they were probably they're lunatics. I mean, I, I would look at the the people's bios who were adding. The, at Trey White, or or like were being quote tweeted by media, and these were these people were shit stains, you know, and uh, you know just from just from what they were tweeting, some of them were bots, you know. So I don't know, like obviously when Trey White tweeted that, he must have got intel from someone, you know, because obviously people can search tweets, you know, like we can look at his tweet when he says that, and I'm sure like he got a he got flooded with people being like. You know, I love you. You're the greatest. Let's make a shirt for you and donate to your charity, all that sort of shit. But you can't see when someone just at him, you know, randomly. So, you know, Twitter, Twitter is a cesspool for the most part. It sucks. I'm sure, as you said, yes, people on this specific instance would have gotten his back. But I think it's easy for us to kind of fall into that hole. I don't know if you want to call it a trap. Maybe I've fallen into the trap of like. Typical freaking Bills fans, kind of being pissed off about all the all, all these things, just add that to the to the misery of it. I don't know what would have happened. I'll say this though, and I'll play devil's advocate: if he had opted out, and like there were photos of him online, like on Instagram, and we, you know, we we have we talk about the the Bills beat Instagram people who follow people on Instagram, and maybe he's out with his friends or his teammates or players you know or something like that you know are are people gonna have the same same thing are they gonna say the same exact thing like oh well like why are you out with your your friends? why aren't you playing football you know like be being dicks like that you know what I mean or things along those lines but yeah you know it was it was kind of it was kind of ugly like like again, there were people who were I mean that a small percentage of it and you know we talk about a lot about how like at times the lunatic fringe gets in, gets gets popped up propped up excuse me on twitter where it's like look at this fucking idiot let's get him and i'm you know hey i i did the, i did that yesterday i did that on wednesday cuz some guy added me i forgot who the hell the guy was and what he said but he was basically like he i think he called Trey Wade a taint because of that and he was a bot like he didn't even have a he didn't even have a he had an egg avatar i don't even think he tweeted in the last 2 months but he tweeted at me and i quote tweeted him and was like look at this fucking loser so you know, I look, I'm, I'm glad he's coming back. You know, obviously, I, I hope I hope the bills didn't pressure him like too much in the sense of like, oh, you know, we, we got your back. Don't worry. We're going to do this. We're going to do that because it is a scary thing. You know what I mean? I I hope they like let him like they they relied on the facts. And it, it in a sense, he made his own decision without being like pressured into doing it, because it's not about just the players during COVID, man. This is about like your family. Like your kids going to school because you could be a responsible man where you go and you wear your damn gloves and you wear your mask and you're going to the office or you're going to one Bill's drive and you're socially distanced. But what if your kid gets it from someone at school and comes home and gives it to you? What if your wife or girlfriend who works somewhere gets it and gives it to you when you get home? You're not wearing the mask when you get home, you know, when you're around your family. Right. So it's worrisome. Like there's not, there's so much that you can control that you can control with the players. And I would, I would honestly love to know. And I I know I'm kind of going off on a uh, tangent, but I would love to know if family members or, or your inner circle are getting tested for COVID as much as NFL players are doing right now. Like is is Trey White's wife getting tested daily, you know, like Trey White is probably going to get tested. You know what I mean? Because that's where you get that's where you can kind of get into issues with it a little bit. So I understood him deciding to kind of opt out and, you know, or thinking about it, obviously. But there's a lot more questions than that. And, you know, for for Bill's fans, for the, the few who did decide to be dicks and and go into his mentions. And, you know, it's been such a trying time where I think so many people are just so stressed out about covid and they're super pissed off about people who are. Oh, why don't you go to work or don't wear a mask or, uh, you know, uh, you know, all that shit that we've been bitching about for like the last five months, where when you see that it kind of makes you even get even more more, more pissed off. You know what I mean? Because it's just such a it's just like enough's enough. Like you just don't want to hear these people trying to shit on people who are worried about going to work, you know, or anything like that, because like it's we've been we've been going through this for five months. Where people are still not taking this as seriously as they should, and when you see fans or bots or whatever on Twitter going, oh, like, well, you should be going to work or you should be doing this, it's kind of like, shut, you know, shut the fuck up, you know. So I don't know. That's a long winded answer on how I feel, but take it from take it from here, Pat.
1: Well, I I mean Jesus Christ, that you might have just set the record for being fucking long winded with one thing. But yeah, man, I, I mean I agree with pretty much everything you said. I'll say this about fans, man. Uh, it's. I understand the anxiety in a way because, all right. So here's the deal: this team year after year after year always gets beat by New England. Tom Brady's owned them for two decades now. He leaves. New England's falling apart. Guys are opting out. They've lost a lot of talent. A lot of these guys are old. The Jets are a disaster. I don't think Miami's in the picture quite yet. So this is the year for the Bills to win. Now we're literally sitting there running off a list of the top ten Bills that are irreplaceable. And in the matter of just the last 48 to 72 hours or so, your best player, now I don't have number one, I have number two, but he's your best player. I'll say that, Don't that don't take much thought to come to that conclusion. All of a sudden, your best player is gonna opt out. So from a football perspective, I understand the anxiety. I literally on Twitter today, we didn't start taping this podcast until after four o'clock because I needed to know what happened with him. I probably set a record for hitting refresh on Twitter today over the last uh, four or five hours leading up to four o'clock because I was concerned and I had a lot of anxiety because I'm like, this would be so Buffalo if this team loses their best corner to something like this. Now, having said that, I would have understood. I would not have said anything to him. Obviously, enough people did to make him tweet that, but I guess my beef, not my beef, I just don't think it was necessary for him to put that out because what he did, is take maybe two percent of fans and make the fan base look bad because it well, opens uh, up. Oh, hold on, let me finish. It opens up the door for fucking idiots like that Jason McIntyre guy, that national media guy who ripped. The why is he?
0: Why is he an idiot? Because he said like people, people who fucking go through tables. Because he's Dude. representing
1: the. Whole, yes, that's a stupid fucking thing to that's, say. But exactly. how many times? Okay, but pass, it's stupid. Pass, pass, you pass, just said it. Two percent of people represent. Oh my Pat, god,
0: what? Pat! Pat! What? Pat! But how? I just gave you a long ass rigmarole about fans being ultra sensitive for other things that led up to people assuming that. Do you think like? Do you think that like the Houston Texans fan base have like this like this annoyance to them where they're pissed off about you know Allen Sl- you know at, you know people criticizing Allen? Why aren't we on prime time enough? Why can't we have blue cheese with ranch or whatever the fuck? There's so many there are so many instances book. of peop, of fans on Bill's Twitter who lose their fucking mind over shit that that's why I'm like yeah that's kind of a little bit of a typical fucking fan like yeah I guess he did like I know I know that tweet rubbed people the wrong way but you know there's there's instances of I can just like I just said I can tell you well there's instances who cares of cares about
1: any of that That's not the point dude That is the point that there is It is, is not a, the fucking point there, it's, okay, not. it's not It's not it's not the point. You got a national guy shitting on the entire fan base, and it's wrong because that's not the reflection of the entire fan base. Now, if you got a guy who's saying, you know, you're partying this because the reception is party, no, but the reception was all the fans are criticizing. So how them. many? How many people, Pat?
0: Have you not? Have you never retweeted something like "Oh, typical Bills fan" or a media or, or typical Bills fans? Your boy Jerry Selman Cell- all the time. Your boy, your boy Jerry Sullivan for other things has said that. Like he said it like last week. I remember I saw a tweet of him saying, "Oh, well, blue." You know, pe- people who are thinking that the Blue Jays pl- playing here isn't even equivalent to like Bills playing on Monday night, and he says something like, "Like what? What a bunch of small timers." In Buffalo to think that, but I guess it's it's okay for for Sully to say that because he lives here. But because an outsider says that, it's not okay, right? Because it's kinda...
1: an inaccurate bullshit thing to say. I criticize Bills fans all the fucking time. This guy said, "I'm shocked." The same crowd who does shirtless wrestling moves in the folding tables at 20 degree weather at 11 a.m. on a Sunday okay, morning. Okay, so
0: where's where's John Mobley coming on Twitter saying, oh, "Hey, we're like, uh, wow, all these I assholes." Don't fucking, I don't. know. So where's he? Where's where are the other players saying that? You know why like I, i'm glad no trey white and, and to go back to your initial point trey white should have put it out there fucking blast these people if there's people that are going at you and there probably were did you i mean like we don't know we don't have a a, a trey white
1: alert there gonna i just be people- said i just said many times throughout this whole fucking episode that i'm sure some fans did say that but so, it's a small but just, percentage but you're saying you don't want
0: him to say anything like keep silent like that's bullshit. He he should go out there and tweet that Trey White. I'm talking about now. You know, if you if you got an issue with the guy that you said like he should have kept it to himself. If you got an issue with the stupid national guy saying that, fine. I I really I, you know whatever. I don't. I, I I gave you my piece on how like there's so many instances where Bills fans have just like colossally have like been dicks on Twitter about everything, and like I can understand maybe that guy has like. A freaking like history with Bill's Twitter where people have added him. Maybe he put Josh Allen as a number 20th quarterback and then got shitted on. I was like, oh, of course. Of course, that fan base would be dicks about this. So
1: I'm glad you said Josh Allen because I'm going to shoot myself if I don't get through this list here. This is, <laughs> dude, me and you, I don't know. I guess maybe the fans loved it. This is our thing. It wouldn't be a, a Joe on the Pat Moran podcast if we didn't start fighting about something. I got Josh Allen, number one, and I could sit here and give you all the numbers. I don't care about what his stats were last year. I don't care what about his projected stats are this year. I don't care if he's ranked in the top 100 in the NFL, the top 50 to top 200, whatever. This is a team that won 10 games last year. Should have been 11 had they tried to beat the Jets. I'm sure they would have. But at the end of the day, you want to be a contender. You want to compete for a Super Bowl. If Josh Allen gets hurt, seasons that's a wrap. Because Matt Barkley, I only need to give you one reason: Matt Barkley is not going to lead the Bills anywhere, and I don't even need to throw it on any stats. So when it comes to that, that's the reason why I got him number one. Now you had him, I think, number three, right? Yeah,
0: but I'm changing my vote. Uh, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> put him at number two, okay? Instead of instead of Mitch Morris, which who I had at, at two, uh, right? Yeah, everything. You're right, and I, I kind of wasn't really. I did think about obviously, oh, Matt Barkley, like. I I have zero confidence in in Matt Barkley. I don't know dick about Jake Fromm. Um, Yeah, that's a big deal. And the reason why I probably had hesitation about it to putting him like a two or one has to do with like, you know, he's an average as of right now. You know, he's like an average quarterback. And that's being nice to be perfectly frank through like the annals of like comparison, comparing him to his peers as of right Right. now. But, But you are right. Yes. Like, you know, Matt Barkley. I don't have any confidence in Matt Barkley. At the same time, the Bills offense wasn't like a juggernaut last year, you know, but I, yeah, there is definitely a drop off where from Barkley to Allen, at least I, I, I think so, you know, but if, if Cam Newton, now let me ask you this, if Cam Newton was the backup quarterback, and I know we talked about that a few times on the podcast in the past, Mm
1: -hmm. where would you
0: have Josh Allen then?
1: Probably not number one. Yeah. So I I know where you're going with that. And I think you're right. I I would still am on my top 10. I probably would. is Cam Newton healthy. You might make a case that I might want Cam Noonan to start ahead of Josh Allen. I'm being sure. dead serious too. No, no. Uh, yeah, you're
0: right. I probably wouldn't even, I I, I probably wouldn't even had him in the top 10 probably. Yeah. You know what I don't I mean? know. Maybe tough, just, just tough because stuff. of how, just because, sorry, just because of how good cam is or could be, right. you know, it's not.
1: Yeah. Know. I'm not suggesting in any way. Now I know Josh Allen made that NFL list. I don't think Josh Allen, he's definitely not better than Trey white. He's definitely not mm-hmm. better. Than uh, Tremaine. I don't think he's better than Tremaine Edmonds. He's definitely not better than Stephon Diggs. So that's three right there. Sure. Uh, I don't think he's better than Micah Hyde. Uh, it's, I'm not even sure Josh Allen's one of the six best players on this football team. But I still got him number one because again, that that's just a wrap to me if uh, if he goes down. Sure. Simple as that. Sure. Anyway, here's how I wanted to end today's episode. I'm going to ask you a question because we're talking quarterback now and I know how you feel about Josh Allen. It's pretty well documented. You don't hate him. So I don't want to give that impression. You just think he's got a long way to go, which is a very fair assessment. I want to talk about four quarterbacks that we thought, let's just say it this way. We thought they were going to be good. And of these four, I want to know which one you're going to confess to being the most wrong about. All right. So the list is Trent Edwards. It's JP Lossman. It's Rob Johnson and it's EJ Manuel. You take those four guys, like when they arrived in Buffalo, Trent Edwards, I don't want to say when he arrived because this is only a third round pick, but he looked really good early on. I'm sure you got high on him at some point. But if you take those guys, who were you the highest on that turns out you were the most wrong about? God, that's, that's a
0: tough, that's a tough question. And by the way, this is not the last thing we're going to talk about because I got to bring something up with you after this real quick. Uh, okay. Anyways, I would say, um, oh man, it's, I was definitely a Rob Johnson truther where like, especially in 99 where I was kind of like, I think we should go to this guy. He's had some good starts. You know, let's, let's see what he can do. Uh, I didn't think he was great. I just wanted to see what he can do more so than anything. So I don't really know if that, if that really counts. EJ was so inconsistent and like, you know, you kind of, I didn't know anything. Like I I was happy after that first, that, that win against Carolina, but I wasn't like, this guy's the man. He's, you know, I I would probably I'd have to go with Trent probably because Trent was four and zero as a starter. You know, to start that one season five and one he looked good. It seemed like okay, yeah, this guy is ready. I definitely had like ideas of him being like what Tom Brady was during that time, which is like a dink and dunk passer who was gonna like throw it down. You know, move the chains. That was it. That that's what he was gonna do, and then he he went completely. T- he went straight to hell like right. That they, he just. No one. I don't think any of those quarterbacks went straight to hell faster from like, "Hey, this guy looks good. This is good." To oh my god, this is an epic. This is a five alarm shit 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 show. You know than him because I think there was there was excitement with Trent right when he came, right when he started playing in two thousand seven with him. You know, he had some good games, and he was a rookie, and it was like, wow, this guy looks good as a rookie. So it was, it was building up, building up, building up. There wasn't any of that. Well, he's kind of struggling in this. You know, he's it was just it felt like he was building up, and then by by 2009, man, it was it was just a freaking disaster, and I yeah. was just like, wow. But I would probably have to say, I would probably have to say him. But I was wrong on a lot of them. Like I, I, I was wrong on JP Lossman too after his second year. He had a solid second year. He had 19 touchdowns. He had over I I think he had like 3000 yards passing. He was much better than his rookie his or his second year he was that that was his third year. I, mean, I forgot the whole like his rookie year where he didn't play at all. But like he was much better in 06 than he was in 05. And again, when you're when you're always hoping for the quarterback to be good, you're always looking for any sort of improvement. You know what I mean? Like, "Oh, he didn't barf on himself this week. He's he's progressing." You know that sort of stuff
1: yeah i for uh i don't know it's tough that was more i didn't really think about it as much i was more about getting uh asking you but i probably would have said e j manuel only because really i just thought I, I only i i thought he was gonna be really good when he got drafted i was really excited about getting him he was the first quarterback in the draft they traded down and still got him. I liked him. I thought he was going to be good. Obviously he sucked, but uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. think
0: too. The EJ thing, the hype was not there because everyone kind of had him going in the second and third round. And I think that kind of hurt him in terms of my eyes. Cause I was like, why are they drafting this guy? Like, I mean, and that's again, like traffic experts don't know what the hell they're talking about. Probably the most time, but it's like, where did this guy come from? So, and he, he didn't show that many, like the Carolina game was great. But then, like after that, he didn't really show too many great games. So,
1: what did you have for me before we get out of here? You said oh, you hey, where,
0: where where's my uh, training camp preseason all all team that you were gonna get get to me from the last time I was here?
1: I haven't looked yet. I haven't. Had you a chance haven't to look looked yet. It. You. It's been two weeks, and you you haven't you haven't looked yet. I haven't you, looked yet. Where's my karaoke song? What? I'll do the
0: karaoke song anytime you want. I I, I, I got no issues with that. I, I don't think, I don't think you can, I can find a karaoke song. I don't think you can find an all, uh, an all rookie preseason team that did well in the, that did well in the regular season.
1: All right, folks. <laughs> Woo. That's going to do it for today's episode. Very big. Thank you again. My buddy, Joe, man. Me and him do not get along on the air. I love it. Love it. Thanks very much, Joe. Also want to thank today's show supporters. 26 shirts. Audio Mute. Sounds Assured. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe. Rate a review. It literally takes you about... 15 seconds at the most to do and it really truly helps me continue to grow this podcast you can also find us on youtube talking buffalo podcast youtube channel highlight clips from current and past episodes up there some original content coming very very soon then of course last but not least follow me on twitter at pamaran tweet i'm constantly constantly on twitter podcast promos, giveaways, uh, trying to be funny when I'm not, talking about The Office, all kinds of stuff going on there. I guess you can hook up our uh, Facebook page to Talk About Full Podcast on Facebook. That page is kind of corny though. So if you can only do one, do Twitter. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I really mean it. I appreciate each and every single one of you. So many good shows out there. So much competition your ears on this show. I don't take that lightly. I really don't. So thank you very much. Have a very good, safe weekend. And I'll be back with two brand new shows next week.